3: You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork screen!
4: And a very good Tuesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. Let's stay on weather for a moment because I'm reading from Met Aaron that a white Christmas is out of the question for Christmas of 2023. The children will be raging, but I think for any of the adults, particularly if you've got to travel anywhere, the last thing you want is a white Christmas. Conditions over the coming days uh, Met Aaron say are set to vary considerably. We'll have everything so natural over the next few days. There will be warm air and the could be a little bit of cold air. There'll be high winds and there definitely will be rain at some stage. But in comparison, to normal for this time of the year. It is going to be quite mild throughout this week and into the weekend. I met Erin are saying the indications are for the early days of next week, which obviously is going to be Christmas Day and St. Stephen's uh, Day. There is a chance of the temperatures dipping a little bit, but I met Erin saying nothing to write home about and definitely no indication of any snow. In terms of the general week ahead, a degree or two above what will be normal for this time of year and actually quite mild on some of the days. I mean, they're looking at temperatures uh, across this week, Any, nine or 10 degrees, uh, but it could even go some of the days as high as 13 degrees, which is certainly high for December. 0818 103 103. Bernie, taking your calls uh, this morning. Anything you want to share with us? We'd love to hear from you you can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. We will be offering advice on cooking the Christmas dinner and I'm always conscious of people perhaps cooking the Christmas dinner for the first time every year there'll be a group of cooks heading to the kitchen who've never had the responsibility of having to fully cook the Christmas dinner themselves. I'm always conscious of those people so if you've got any question I mean the one thing we want to do we want to make sure that it's the most wonderful beautiful meal uh, but we also want to make sure that everybody is safe we're trying to cut down on food waste as well this year. So anyone with questions, get them in to uh, Bernie. Now, I know we had quite a few calls about the government's electricity credits at the end of November and people were saying, you know, Are the energy credits going to arrive in time because a bill had just arrived or was due to arrive? Well, it seems thousands of householders now uh, will have to wait until the new year before they get the first of the €150 energy electricity credit that was applied to their bills. It seems large numbers of consumers... Have been questioning why the government electricity credit has not shown up in their accounts and why it hasn't been applied to their latest bill. There is anger that the credit hasn't come off the bills, particularly as we're entering into probably one of the most intensive energy use periods of the year. But it's also the time of year when, you know, people have a lot of additional financial expenses. And, you know, we all know how expensive Christmas can be. Now, it was back in October where the government announced the three energy credits that they were going to give similar to last year but just a little bit less than what they handed out last year 450 in total the first was applied at the beginning of this month the 1st of December the next one will be applied at the beginning of January and then the final one will be applied at the beginning of March but Metair or sorry Electric Ireland are explaining and it's not just with them with all of the utility suppliers the date that a customer will receive their credit actually depends on the date that their respective supplier normally sends out their bills. And this is where the problem lies. The bills have been sent out and maybe within 24 hours. The credit came in from the government but too late because the bill uh, had already been posted out or emailed uh, out. And if a customer was outside of the payment period, then that means the first credit will show up on their next bill, which obviously is not going to happen now until after Christmas. And they give an example... If somebody received a bill, say it was dated the very end of November, their next bill will not be due until January. I mean That's presuming that you're getting the bi-monthly uh, bills, which I think most people get. So the first credit won't have shown up on that bill. So it means the first credit, the December one and the January one, there will be a double credit will appear on the next bill. So, you know, for some people that mightn't be too bad because when we're coming into the most intensive energy use period, it means you're going to have €300 Euro off your next bill if you haven't received it on this one. But I know it was just it was a bit disappointing for people who I think were hoping that that 150 would come off their electricity bill and then they could use that 150 to go towards the cost of uh, Christmas. And just by the way I spotted this earlier staying on the electricity uh, prices this is the latest research that is out from uh, the CRU and they show that the new company, you know, you know this, you know, energy they launched this year. They are now the cheapest supplier. This is of standard electricity. And you know, energy say that their estimated annual cost is for a typical family would be 1,894. And if you get discounted electricity from them, you can bring it down as low as 1,665. And if you're a gas company, a gas user, the CRU are saying that the, with, when they looked at gas plans and board gosh energy, are topping the best value list. They have an annual estimated cost of 1412 and that's on their new gas 15% plan. All the energy companies are getting a little bit like the health insurance certainly with all of the different plans. 0818103103. But as I say, disappointing for people who didn't get their energy credit. But, you know, I know for the listeners that were contacting us, they were fearful that they had missed out on the energy credit or they wouldn't be getting the energy credit. You will be getting it but it just means you'll get a double energy credit on the next one, but you're not going to get it before Christmas. You can text or WhatsApp as to 0862 103 103. And an email in from a listener. Now, I don't know if other mothers and fathers are having the same problem as this mother is having but maybe they are and it reads Hi Patricia, I'm hoping maybe some primary teachers who maybe are out on maternity leave and able to listen to the radio at this time of the day may be tuned in this morning and may be able to offer us stressed out parents a little bit of advice. My question is what are the best presents to give to our children's teachers this year? The reason I ask is I've got with all of my Christmas shopping j- done, I've just two presents left to get and therefore my two children's teachers. Now, one of my sisters happens to be a teacher based in Dublin. I hear her every single year Give out about the endless Yankee Candles, our best teacher in the world mugs that she receives. Last year, for example, out of a class of 28, she got 10 Yankee Candles and seven best teacher at mugs. I'm Can to stop you there? I'd love the 10 Yankee Candles. But anyway, that's just a preference of mine. Anyway, back to our email. So this year. I'm trying to be a bit creative, hence my reason for emailing your programme. Any advice would be welcome. Now, I don't want to spend more than €20 on each gift as I think €20 is enough. I know some of my other friends spend more than €20, but I think €20 per teacher is surely enough. What have other parents purchased? as presents for primary school teachers this year. And as I said, I'm dearly hoping that maybe some teachers are listening to the programme this morning if so, would you please tell us what you as teachers would really like to receive from the little ones that you teach every year? We give these presents just by way of appreciation for all the work the teachers do during the year. Waiting here at home in anticipation, listening to the radio. Happy Christmas. And it's just this no anonymous, which is fine, which is uh, fine. It's just signed A Busy Mum of uh, Two. So are we back to... I I know at one stage there was a kind of a stop on buying presents for teachers. I know some of the schools were great. They actually sent notes out, the principals and the teachers sent notes out saying we're not looking for presents uh, this year. Now, it doesn't always work. I do know of other schools where they very much leave it up to the parents. I always feel, though, For the parents maybe who are struggling a little bit, I always feel for the kiddies, if you're going into the classroom and you're seeing all of the other children in the classroom bringing a present in, and what if your parents are not able to afford to give you something to give to the teacher? Now, I don't in any way say that that child is going to lose out in in school. I think a teacher would fully understand and teachers are the best to know. When they're sitting in front of a class, they're the best to know which families are struggling and which families uh, are not. But I always feel for the li- little ones who don't fully understand why mammy or daddy can't afford to buy a present to give to you that you can give to Miss O'Brien to tell her she's the best uh, teacher in the world. But anyway, uh, that's an aside point. What are parents, are you buying for your teacher, your child's teacher this Christmas? If so, what are you buying? What's the typical cost is 20 euro more than enough to give on a a gift. Has your school perhaps got some kind of a policy in place saying yay or nay to Christmas gifts? And as this busy mum of two says, perhaps there are some teachers listening, there could be some teachers out sick from school and at home convalescing and getting better and they may have the radio on. What did the teachers, how did the teachers themselves feel about the presents that they will get from the little ones at Christmas. Your thoughts welcomed 0818 103 103. Bernie's taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp me here to the studio you can to 0862 103 103. OK some of your suggestions for our stressed out mum of two all of her presents bought just left to buy her two primary school children uh, their teachers uh, a present. This is one in from Sharon to say hi, Patricia. I got I bought Ritual Car Perfume for the teachers. It's a fab gift. It's in a lovely wooden holder and it attaches to the air vent. Ritual Car Perfume. Never heard of that before, but it sounds absolutely lush. Uh, Sharon, uh, hi Charlie says. Prize bonds are always a good prize, a good present to give. Or you could just give the 20 euro. And prize bonds, I'm open to correction, but they're 25 euro, isn't it? That's the smallest amount of units you could buy. So that would work out, yeah. And then if the teacher wanted to just cash it in and get the cash, they could. So that's not a bad uh, suggestion. And someone else says, Patricia, to that stressed out mother of two or to indeed any other stressed out parents listening to your programme this morning, simply don't give presence to the teachers. At the end of the day, teachers turn up in school every day. They're paid to do a job. I think a bit of cop on is what is needed. I've heard several teachers being sick to the teeth of getting a pile of rubbish every year. They're paid to do their job. So why not simply say thank you? to them at the end of the year. Why do you need to buy them a present? Well, lots of people like to buy presents for their teachers, I suppose. Teacher present, voucher for coffee. Oh, uh, you go to Costa, insomnia, frank and honest, uh, a gift that they definitely will be able to uh, uh, use. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Uh, Morning, Patricia. A lady, uh, a a parent in my daughter's class, set up a WhatsApp group and invited everyone to give five euro each. They In, in the end, they collected 120 euro and they gave the teacher 120 euro, one for all uh, voucher. And my son then gave his teacher a 20 euro diesel voucher. So, OK, so it was just in one classroom that they did the collection And in the other classroom, they didn't. So the difference in price there... You got away with just five euro having to be donated. And I'm sure the teacher was absolutely thrilled to get a 120 euro one for all voucher, where it cost you 20 euro then for the diesel voucher, because you could hardly give a five euro uh, diesel voucher. And Mary B down in West Cork says, Patricia, suggestion for the busy mum of uh, two, which I once heard from a teacher. She loves to get a card with a message from her pupils. It means a lot more to her. I think a handmade card can be very meaningful if the children have uh, time. OK, thank you for that. That's some of your suggestions. Keep them coming. 0818 103 103. Bernie taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And I can see lots of suggestions and thoughts and comments coming in about the teachers' presents for Christmas. Keep them coming and I will come back to them. But I want to move to a different topic because in last weekend's Irish Mail on Sunday, it was reported that the Spanish NCT operator Atlas Plus is in breach of the contract it signed with the Road Safety Authority and could face fines of up to three million euro. This is over test delays. East Cork Finifall Transport spokesperson, Deputy James O'Connor, now feels the company's position is actually untenable. And he joins me to explain uh, more. Good morning to you, James. Morning, Patricia. And I've I've spoken to you on this uh, topic before because I think particularly the good people of East Cork always seem to be waiting to get NCTs, and this reflected in a lot of the calls we get to this program. But if I go on to the NCT website, they will tell me that the average average national wait time is fourteen days. But that's not the reality, is it? For many frustrated motorists.
5: It's not, and, and part of the research they've done showed that actually in our own constituency of Cork East, at the moment, that y'all is the longest waiting time, as reported in the uh, figures published on the, on the paper. So there's people out there waiting for four and five months. Patricia, when the NCC operator is claiming that they're waiting, the, the waiting times are, are far, far less than that—a number of weeks, as a matter of fact. So I actually took them on in the committee, Patricia, when they were before. Uh, Also, I think around September time was the last time they were in the Transport Committee, uh, and they presented this this information to us to say that all waiting times have been reduced dramatically, and that if you rang up and got an appointment over the phone, that you will get one much quicker. Um, We did a bit of research into this, and we found the information to be completely inaccurate. particularly when it came to the online booking system. I had three people um, that were working in research um, with, with our party and, and also from my staff had checked um, online to see what the closest available dates were in, in our own area. Um, and we had to go as far from East Cork as far as Tralee to find the nearest, nearest available date, and it was a period of three months of a wait. So the information that was provided to the Transport Committee was wrong, and um, I'm glad to see this Mail on Sunday. I actually did some... Independent research into this, which backed up what we've said to them previously, Um, but it just shows that the RSA and also the the, the Aptus Plus, which is contracted by the RSA, uh, both have very serious questions to answer now as to where we go from here because it's not getting any better.
4: Yeah, and I always think it's it's not acceptable to expect people to have to travel long distances to go to get something that you require by law uh, to do. I mean, it can in many cases mean somebody perhaps having to take a day off work if they can't get to their nearest NCT centre if they have to travel somewhere else. It's it's simply not fair.
5: It's not, and there's a couple of things, of course, that are worth noting. Is that at one point we had over four hundred thousand vehicles on the road without an NCT. And um, also, look, inflation has hit car costs very significantly. So there is a far larger number of people who are keeping older cars going on the roads just why car costs are so high. Obviously, they, they go up and down a bit like property. Um, but unfortunately, at this time, because new cars have become so expensive, you know there is a lot more people who have cars on the road for a lot longer without not changing their cars as often. Um, so it just shows why there's that an urgency. And sadly, fatalities on the roads are up. Um, so it just shows why there is this urgency around the the need to repair um, the system for NCT testing. And from my perspective, you know we've do, we've done everything we can in terms of highlighting this, and um, we've we've spoken about it on the media multiple times, um, which are good self and and in the transport committee. And I think now the government should look at actually getting out of the contract because it's a decade-long contract, and um, it was signed um, very shortly after the start the pandemic, um, just before the government was officially formed, I think it was around March time of 2020, and people will remember that's the month that the country went into lockdown.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: So I think this now the Department of Transport need to actually sit down and evaluate what are our options here, because Atlas Plus, as far as I'm concerned, are failing in their obligation to provide the service that they're contractually oblig- obligated to do. Um, in addition to that as well, you look at things like the customer charter, Patricia, and this is something we spoke about on this show, and it caused absolute consternation with Atlas Plus because the customer charter had been suspended um, and then reintroduced. And Just need to remind people that was that people would be entitled to a free test if they had to wait for more than four weeks, um, which Atlas Plus pretty much changed the goalposts on saying ah, that's not actually what we meant, you know. So um, there's been so many things that have gone wrong with this, it's kind of hard to know where to begin.
4: Yeah, and I know one that also certainly frustrates a number of listeners and and I find this one hard to understand. We had one listener, for example, whose NCT was due in February, didn't manage to get a date until uh, October to then discover that his next NCT is due again in February. I can't understand if there's delays with you getting your NCT when you get them. Why do they have to backdate it to the original date that your NCT was due?
5: That's right, and that's because of the European rules. Um, oh. That's something the Department of Transport should actually seek um, some type of a derogation with Europe on, and uh, they have not done so. Um, they have been asked about this before, uh, but it does make so much sense, and I can understand why people are as frustrated as they are. But look, the bottom dollar is that we have vehicles on the road without valid NCTs for very obvious reasons. It's of no fault of the public. Um, it's that the people have to wait for such long times, and, you know, when all, all is said and considered, the other thing that, that, that kind of annoyed me is that one of their excuses was that there was a huge volume of vehicles, Patricia, that were booking NCT tests and then cancelling them and then reapplying for new ones again just to postpone having the car NCT'd. But it was a very fractional number in terms of the overall tests. So like we, we've heard from from garages that, that were selling cars that they could ring up NCT centres and get the car, the car tests done you know, in short enough space, spaces of time where there may be a free appointment available. But just everything around the management of the timings available, it's just it's just very, very frustrating. And, like, for me, it's unacceptable somebody that's living, whether they're living in Mallow or they're living in, in Yall, um, or Cove or any part of County Cork, that they're having to travel to different counties to get their tests done. You know, it's it's madness, because, you know, truly, there was, was just one of the nearest available appointments. When we did our analysis in Yall, if you'd be in the car for an hour and a half to get to Killarney, like you can add another half an hour to get to Trelee. So it's 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 just completely insane that people are expected to drive those distances and particularly I think you're vulnerable motorists. You know, people who are on the road that may be, you know, vulnerable road users, whether they're they're elderly or whether they're they're, they're you know, just, just newly qualified drivers as well. Um and we have to consider that as well. And that's something that to me it just shows why APLIS Plus have failed in so many areas and why the department should just look at tearing up the contract with them, getting out of the contract that they have and getting a new operator in to do it.
4: And I know APLIS have been fined for breach of contract uh, in the past and now there's threats of more fines. But realistically, the fines don't seem to be working, James.
5: They don't. And I asked about the fines the last day they were in committee just to get a sense of where they were. And uh, they have been, and multi-millionaire fines have been applied to our understanding um, but what I think is needed is a radical overhaul. So what I'd like to see happening is, that for example, if somebody has an old car or a Ford in their driveway, that they can return to their main dealer, that would be, and be able to get an NCT test by the main dealer, because obviously they will have the full spec of each vehicle. Um, and I think that's what's going to be needed in order to dramatically reduce, you know, the waiting times as well. And obviously keeping the NCT operator in place until the queue have been reduced. But that's what bothers me is that. There's one operator here; they're independent of all car groups and carriages. You know, it's just putting too much on one system that's not performing. So, like, I think that's something that they sh- they do need to look at because obviously we've got obligations at the European level around road safety. Um, that's very very important, and I I think that we just have to acknowledge that something is going to need to happen um, outside of the box, and-, and that's something I think it would be worth doing. Just if you're going in to get your car serviced. Um, whether it's, it's any particular car brand, once you're returning to the main brand dealer for your first or your second service, perhaps um, after purchasing a car that you might be able to get your NCT done as well. The
4: yeah, thing, you know. yeah, because Bill in Cl- is kind of picking up uh, on that point. He says cars that have less than 50,000 K are being called for NCT, but they're still in warranty from the manufacturer. Uh, so they really shouldn't need an NCT. He reckons that that first test, which kicks in after four years, isn't it? He reckons that should be at least five years before you go for your first uh, NCT. And he makes the point that the NCTs were introduced at a time in the 90s when there was a lot more bangers on the road a lot of that has has changed so some of those first NCTs I suppose can be a bit of a waste of time
5: Well in a sense of the, the mileage I suppose is the big one but there are vehicles obviously on the road where you know, there will be people working in sales roles or other jobs where they're driving very high miles so I do think there is a need for the system in general and often remember what people would pick up in NCTs that are highly dangerous would be things like the tyres, that if the tyre grip wasn't big enough, if brakes were faulty, you know, and other things as well that might not have been spotted. Um, I think these are the really important items when you go through an NCT test that need to be corrected for safety reasons. Um, but the one thing I think this that has that's been touched on is that, you know, if you have that system where you're going back into your garage, whether it's around the warranty or whatever, that, you know, if you're returning to a main vehicle dealer, that's the same brand as your vehicle. I think they should have the capacity to sign off as well um, on the on the, the vehicles, I suppose ability to have an NCT or not. Yeah, and that, I think that's what that's what it's going to take. So it's here. A kind
4: of a complete overhaul of the system. Is, is really uh, what you are looking for? And of course, January is one of the busiest times of the year. So many people's NCT is going to be due up in in the coming we- weeks. So if there's already a wait in some areas, that wait is just going to get longer.
5: Well, by the looks of it, the waiting times have remained stable, but they're still in the months. Um, unfortunately, in Cork, um, some of the centres in Cork have now ranked the most the most delayed in the country. Um, Yall is one of them um, in particular. Um, there's particular pressure as well on the NCT centre um, in Little Island. Um, and also think Blarney as well, I think, is one that came up in the figures. So, it, you know, what I want to try and find out by the NCT operator is why are we here in Cork having to wait much longer and it appears to be the case in other parts of the country. Um, the other thing, as well, I think they need to figure out is how do they hold on to their own staff. Do they have to pay them more money. Do they have to look at the conditions within the company as well, because we have people coming from NCT centres around the country with HR issues to our office that obviously have seen these items being raised within in the Transport Committee. Um, and NCT have been trying to bring in people to Atlas Plus, their company. Um, the Philippines.
4: They've gone overseas. Yeah, they've gone overseas to recruit, and, and I mean, NCT say they have 641 testers, and 29 are undergoing tra- training. They say this is the highest number of te- testers since its inception. So they're basically saying, "Well, what more do you want us to do?"
5: Well, I want them to provide a service, you know, and I think that's, that's that's very simple: is that they have an obligation, it's just a, it's a service that they're being paid to do, undoubtedly being subsidised to do. Um, and okay, just move
4: your 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 phone slightly. Is is breaking up a little bit?
5: Hello. Sorry, yeah, you're okay. Yeah, yeah, it's but better. I, I want them to to provide the service that they're being it to do. I think it's a very simple question, and obviously, there's been more there's been more vehicles um, put on the road because we've got more people driving, particularly after the pandemic as well. And at the end of the day, if they have a contract with the states that's ten years long. They should have forecasted where we are now. And what I'd like to maybe see as well is can they open up new centres in County Cork to help alleviate the pressure here? You know, yeah. that's something I think that okay. be done.
4: All right. And just very finally, somebody, one of our listeners says, look, this is not rocket science. Why can't they do the same thing as they do in the UK? Why can't local garages do our NCT as the MOT is done in the UK? Uh, or is it all to do with money grabbing Um the government not making enough money out of this? Well, the government doesn't make any money out of this. It's Atlas Plus, isn't it?
5: That's right. Yeah. I'll take that point in boards and I'll board ask it back to the department for that listener.
4: OK, but, but 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 that that's how it operates in England. You go to your local garage. Yes, yeah. yes. I think that's
5: right. something that we should look at doing okay. here, Patricia.
4: All right, James, listen, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Have a lovely Thank Christmas. You. And Happy uh, Christmas. thanks for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Cork East uh, Fianna Fáil Doll Deputy, uh, James uh, O'Connor. 0818 103 103. John Paul it's not John Paul, John Paul's off. Bernie, taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862. One o three, one o three. I'm just some texts in on the NCT issue that we discussed. Uh, somebody says, could you ask James? He's unfortunately just gone off the line. But if the garages were to sign off on NCTs like he suggests, would that not require a change in the legislation? And if so, would the NCT Atlas Plus uh, not sue for breach of contract as they have? They are the exclusive operators of the NCT. I think yes, and yes. I think what James is saying that we need a complete overhaul of the system, but absolutely, that have to be a change in the legislation if garages were allowed to sign off on NCTs. And John says a suggestion for anybody looking to book an NCT. John says the best time to ring uh, is to ring your local NCT after 5 in the evening and they'll tell you if there's any available slots for the next day. Thank you. Some of your thoughts coming in on 0862 103, 103. Now with the town of Middleton thankfully starting to recover from those devastating floods caused by Storm Babette at the end of October, it's great to hear that Vision Ireland, that's the new name for the National Council for the Blind, they've announced the reopening of their two shops in Middleton, which did experience flood damage. To chat uh, about charity shopping at Christmas, I'm joined by Lorna O'Donovan, who is the regional manager with Vision Ireland. Uh, good morning to you, Lorna. Good morning, to How are you? I'm very well and, and fantastic to hear that your two stores uh, in Middleton uh, are, are now reopened. Were they both very badly affected by the floods?
1: Yes, they were completely destroyed, and um, so we we had planned a refit for our Middleton stores because they're two of our biggest the shop, bi- busiest shops in the country. And um, so it came a bit earlier thanks to um, to storm Babette. So we've completely refitted both shops. Much of the delight of the customers on Friday, I think, and the continuing delay this week. And um, so both shops look fantastic. Donations have started to come through the door again. And um, the town of Middleton has also been one of our best um, donators. And um, so, yeah, we're really thrilled. And the team are really thrilled. And um, so this was just a special shout out as well to our team Theresa O'Brien our store manager her sales assistants Trina and Damien and their wonderful team of volunteers and steam workers um, have just been fantastic in terms of a turnaround to get us opened Well
4: done and those volunteers they're the backbone of all uh, charity shoppers um, charity Absolutely. shops they, they really are great Is it unusual to have two stores in the one town?
1: No, it wouldn't be unusual. Um, it probably would be unusual to have them in such close proximity. Yeah. Um, so, Teresa definitely has her hands full running from one to the other, making sure that they both run smoothly. Um, but again, she has an absolutely fantastic team in Middleton and the community support in Middleton as well is phenomenal. As we saw when we had to, um, to do the clean-up in the stores following Babes, we got help from local businesses, local schools. Um, it was just
4: phenomenal. And do they stock different items? They do yes
1: so one shop does homeware kids and kids toys and then our other shop is purely fashion based so um, we have ladies and men's and men's and ladies accessories
4: Brilliant and are you one of the charity shops that actually accept donations at the shop?
1: Yes, we do. We absolutely do. And um, so we've been inundated with fantastic donations since we opened the doors on Friday. And um, so thank you to Middleton, you've come through once again. Um, and we do in all of our 124 sites we accept donations.
4: Did you lose a lot of stock in Middleton? We lost everything, unfortunately.
1: Did you? Yes. Oh yes. my God. Everything. Yeah. So, um, but we we obviously supplied a completely new stock package from our warehouse. Um, and we will build that stock back up again with donations, and um, because everything was destroyed, and just even in terms of health and safety for our customers coming back in, um, we have to dispose of everything. Yeah, you have no choice. You have
4: no when that no. kind of flood water hits. Uh, exactly. Anyone who's been flooded uh, will will know. And and Lorna, uh, for people who don't go regularly to charity shops, you'd be amazed at what people donate.
1: Oh, it's absolutely fantastic, and combined with the volunteers. The donors are probably the second cornerstone, really, of our shop and why we continue to be so successful. Um, The quality, the donations that we receive, the brand new items that people want to donate. And a lot of our donors as well, they want to help out and they want to be part of that circular economy. Um, So it's amazing. And actually, the thrill of the finds in the recent (laughs) survey, yeah, 59%. Said the thrill of the find was their main motivation for shopping in charity shops. Yeah, um, and to be honest, I probably would be in that cohort um, as well as that value element. Then of that hidden gem that you're you're guaranteed to find.
4: And I, I've certainly noticed with uh, family and friends uh, friends if you you know if you're complimenting somebody on oh, God, that's a lovely coat, and this lovely bag. People love to say, "I got that in a charity shop."
1: Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And I think with the focus on sustainability as well, increasing year on year, um, it, it becomes more of a pricing and the fact that you're contributing to, to the environmental ethos and that you are shopping more sustainably and being more conscious. And um, You know, even I suppose personally, and you just alluded to it there when you think of the attitude to sustainability two years ago versus now, it has moved yeah. on so much. And there's so many benefits. The value element, um, the fact that by shopping in our stores, you're supporting volunteers, you're supporting our stores, and obviously supporting services, essentially, for those who are visually impaired. Yeah. So I think there's the altruistic element as well to shopping in charity shops across the board.
4: And that survey that you released uh, last week, I thought it was interesting, uh, people's attitude to receiving a gift from a a charity shop. That was very positive. Yeah, extremely. Six
1: out of ten people would be thrilled to receive a gift. And I think that's something that probably as a society in Ireland we really need to stand up and listen to. Because actually I didn't, um, prior to doing the survey, I wouldn't have thought that number would have been so high. And interestingly enough, on the flip side, um, less than three in ten will be shopping for gifts and charity shops this year. So I suppose I would just encourage anyone who's never been into one of our stores to have a wonder in this Christmas um, because you're absolutely guaranteed to find that hidden gem for someone. And also you're contributing to that circular economy, being more sustainable and helping those with them who are visually impaired.
4: And I'm right in saying that younger people, young adults, are great customers of charity shopping.
1: Yes, and actually they're probably one of the demographics that we see most often and come back more regularly. And um, Again, for them it's more that sustainability. Um, they're really environmentally aware so that would be their main, and then obviously the thrill um, of the find is um, they come in in groups generally. Um, <laughs> I was in a store in Carragall Lane last week and we have um, a, a Group of five or six students that continue to come in every Friday after school, and invariably they'll find something. Um, so we do keep a few gems out the back for them. Then as well to <laughs> keep our customers <laughs> satisfied because for us, it's all about those customers, it you is. know, and how how and, and elevating that service from just a charity shop to somewhere where we're offering customers that experience as
2: well.
4: Mm. Uh, Emma, one of our listeners, says the key to charity shopping is to regularly go in to the same shop. Keep going back, make it a weekly part of your weekly shopping. You'll be amazed at the gems that you can find. And we've been talking this morning, Lorna, about suggestions for Christmas presents for teachers. Some parents are a bit stressed about it, Uh, but it's always a good reminder after Christmas for all of us, if you get presents that for whatever reason you don't particularly like, uh, charity shops, you're very much open in the new year to accept any unwanted, new unwanted gifts.
1: Absolutely, yes, absolutely, um, and we, we store them in our stores generally for next week. But Emma's absolutely right in terms of going in weekly, and um, because you will find those gems, and as well you get to know our in-store teams, and they can work with you to you know to find those gems for you. Um, and really ensure that you do get what you're looking for when
3: you come
4: in. Okay, well, well done. Uh, Fantastic that your two shops uh, are open. Have a great Christmas uh, Lorna and uh, best wishes to everybody at Vision Ireland and thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me Patricia. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Good morning to you. you, Lorna O'Donovan, their regional manager of Vision Ireland. They were formerly the National Council for the Blind. Nick on a good bargain buy in a charity shop. Got a gorgeous pair of Adidas runners. They were in my size. They got them for €10 in the National Council for the Blind Shop which is now called Vision Ireland. What a great bargain. Did you ever get a bargain in a charity shop? Let us know what your bargain buy was. 0818 103 103 You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Some of your thoughts on shopping in charity shops when we were talking with Vision Ireland about their two stores. Thankfully have reopened in the town of Middleton. Uh, Text her says "Uh, My 14 year old daughter only shops in charity, clothes shops. And she said it's the same for all of her friends. I did mention that when I was talking to Lorna, the younger generation, love the idea of the sustainability, love the idea of getting bargain buys and we'll go from one charity shop to the next to the next and we'll dig out those great bargains. So, well done. And then Pauline said, I got a Gucci designer bag a number of years ago in a charity shop for €10. I checked it up online at the time and it would have cost me €500 to buy new the bag was in perfect condition i still have it what a bargain there are bargains to be had actually i did see uh, a piece in the paper i think it was out of america of somebody who got a great bargain in a uh, charity shop it was somebody who was shopping and they spotted it was a vase um, they bought it in here here it is it's Jessica Vincent she's a 43 year old she bought a decorative glass item in June of this year and she picked it up in a charity shop for four dollars <laughs> she's auctioned it this week and it went for over a hundred thousand dollars after experts confirmed it was a rare piece created by a renowned Italian architect now Jessica Vincent said she was browsing through the Goodwill thrift shop in Virginia when her eyes fell on this glass bottle which had red and green swirls now she said when she picked it up she had a feeling that it might be worth something because she noticed a little M on the bottom of it and she said that could be linked to Morano now Morano is an island in Greece or an island in Venice, sorry, which seemingly is famed for its glasswork. She thought, oh, maybe it comes from there. And she had a sense that it might be worth maybe a thousand, maybe two thousand dollars. But she said she had no clue on how actually good the find uh, was. Uh, So she had to do a little bit more research. So she got onto a Facebook group and asked for advice, obviously posted up a picture of it. She was told that it looked likely to be a piece by a renowned Italian architect and designer by the name of Carlo Scrappa. She was directed then to the Wright Auction House, sent on the photographs. Uh, The guy there said he had a really good feeling when he saw the photograph and then obviously when they looked at it and uh, looked at it in more detail, they realised that it was the work of this Carlo uh, Scrappa and he was an artist that designed glassware back in the 1940s. Now, they said if it had any kind of a chip on it, even a small chip, it would probably have sold for under ten thousand dollars. But it was in absolutely perfect nick. They described it as like buying a winning lotto ticket. The vase was sold to an unidentified private art collector, just somewhere in Europe, and the final. Price tag was one hundred and seven thousand and one hundred dollars. So there is a happy, happy lady, and that was a bargain buy that she found in a charity shop. 0818103103. Um, also, on charity shops, a listener says, "Patricia, could you ask the range? Gone off the line, but um, would they accept a donation of unwanted clothes from my late mother? She loved going into secondhand uh, shops and really got some lovely clothes there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what the circular." economy is all about even if you buy an item from a charity shop many people will buy items like that listener who said her 14 year old daughter shops only in charity shops when they no longer like the clothes they bring them back into the charity shop and they get sold on again and again and if you've got a good quality piece I mean you know yourself if you invest in and spend money on a really good item of clothing it can last for years and years and years so yes any charity shop would be delighted with your late mother's clothes and I know that can be a difficult thing to do clearing out the wardrobe and getting rid of everything after a loved one has passed uh, passed away and I always say to people don't rush to do that because I think some people can do that a little bit too quickly but if you feel the timing is right and you want to clear out your late mother's clothes and I'm sure she will be smiling down on you delighted that you're going to give them to some charity shop knowing that she herself used to be a shopper in charity uh, shops so um, thank you for your, for your text and hope you're doing uh, okay. Now to still getting in a lot of commentary to do with the email to the programme from a a busy mum of two. (laughs) She signed it off saying she's all a bit stressed at the moment. She's all for Christmas shopping done or all the gift shopping done. She's just left. She needs to buy two presents, two children, primary school, she wants to buy something for the teacher, for the two teachers. Her problem is that her sister is a teacher in Dublin and every single Christmas when they get together, she has to listen to her sister moaning and groaning about the number of Yankee candles and the number of mugs with best teacher in the world written on it. And she says her sister is always given out about the rubbish that she gets from some of the parents at Christmas. And that has led our mum to say, well, what do teachers want? And putting it out there. What are other parents uh, buying? Some of your commentary coming in on that to the mother looking for the teachers present. If that's all she has to be stressed about, she should be grateful. She doesn't have real problems. Thank you. Be kind. Can people just please be kind, be kind before you send uh, texts. Hi, Patricia. Tell uh, that list or indeed anybody else, go to a place called Sunfleck. It's in Dungarvon. They have gorgeous tiny little cacti and they sell them in little cardboard pots. They're just €10. Or you can get cacti in little ceramic pots. They're €23. They also sell gorgeous soya-based candles for €18, no chemicals. Go green when you're buying your presents for your teachers this year. Uh, hi, uh, Patricia. Uh, for the teachers, I get a coffee shop voucher for €10. Euro, one for the teacher and I also get one for the s oh, and of course, you have there's an S&A in the class, they have to be looked after uh, as well. Somebody else says, I think all schools should ban this practice. Parents have enough things to be buying at this time of year. And we do know that some schools, certainly in the past, did it. I don't know if it's still in place. Some schools will send a note home, probably around the beginning of December, saying that they don't want presents uh, this year. But not every school does it, not judging by the amount of commentary we're getting in. A lot of parents have already purchased their presents that I take it you bring in. Is it on the last day? Hi, Patricia. I am a school bus escort. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that parents feel obliged to give teachers and staff presents at Christmas every year. No parent should be giving 20 euro worth of a gift to any member of staff in a school, no matter how rich they are. Schools, I feel, should be the ones who should stamp out this practice completely. If parents really want to give something to say thanks, why doesn't each child in the class give one euro each and then buy a voucher for the teacher with it? This is pressure parents don't need and it's the teachers themselves that need to stop this practice. Somebody else has suggested I always give an all-for-one voucher. I like to think that the teacher then might get a few all-for-one vouchers from some of the other parents and that way the teacher can go out and actually buy something that they really want and need themselves. And then Stephanie has a variety of different suggestions for presents for teachers. A nice calendar, especially a charity calendar. That would be win-win, yeah. And we had a feature on the programme in the last number of weeks where we were giving shout-outs to gorgeous charity calendars that are on sale. And most of them were around €10, I think. So it's under that €20 mark that our our mum was uh, thinking of uh, spending. Stephanie said also a nice diffuser. That's a nice present, a nice picture, maybe a nice Christmas bouquet. And maybe the little ones could make it up themselves and get some holly and ivy and make up a bouquet themselves, which would be a lovely, nice thing to do. And... There wouldn't be a cost involved uh, in it. And hi, Patricia. To that stressed out, busy mum of two, I would suggest a Christmas card signed by everybody in the family and put a nice, nice little message to say, Thank you. The child then won't feel left out because she's handing something to the other to the, to the teachers, particularly if the others are all coming in with uh, presents. Uh, it's great, by the way, Patricia, that you're highlighting this uh, issue because it is a problem for some parents who can't afford it. And I did say that at the start when I when I read out the initial email. I am very aware of parents who literally can't afford to buy anything for their child to bring in on the last day at school. Helen in Charleville says 20 euro for a teacher's present is a bit saucy. It's a bit much, says Helen. And Helen's worry is it then puts additional stress on the other parents, particularly the parents of the children who can't uh, afford it. So she thinks 20 euro is uh, way too much. 0818 103 103, And then a throwback to uh, yesterday. Morris says, Patricia. You're a highly regarded broadcaster. Well, thank you for your compliment, uh, Maura. But, it's always a but, isn't it, after a compliment like that. I listened yesterday as you spoke about migrants. You appear to conflate the highly skilled workers in the pharmaceutical, medical and tech sectors who contribute hugely to the economy and pay very high taxes. Totally different from asylum seekers who are literally dependent on the welfare state for their accommodation and their maintenance. And as for the Irish who went abroad years ago, they weren't handed out any benefits. They worked their way along and, and I am too well aware of that as five of my six siblings left to this shore. Okay, when I spoke about the migrant workforce that we have in this country and how reliant we are in various uh, sectors where would we be without workers coming from uh, overseas and when I was talking about that with regard to what's going on with the burning of what was to be a centre for Asylum Seekers. When I was talking about the migrant workers I was in particular the point I was trying to get across was that all this negative rhetoric about Ireland for the Irish and we're full and we don't need any more migrants etc. That is going to make our own migrant workforce feel very, very anxious. For example, after the riots in Dublin, I heard of another a number of businesses in Dublin who got phone calls the following day from some of their migrant workforce to say they were afraid to come into work because they were afraid of the negative backlash from uh, people. And that's the point that I'm making and that's why I was saying we as a country were better than this, particularly to see that uh, that hotel being burnt down. You know, you would, somebody somewhere or I don't know if it was one or more or or how many was involved but somebody thought it was better to burn down a building than to use it uh, to house uh, 70 people and as for do some asylum seekers come here to scam the system of course and that will always be the case but the majority of migrants who come to this uh, country even those seeking asylum after three months they're entitled to work the majority of them want to work Uh, and those that come as economic migrants and I know they're not meant to come as economic migrants but they're coming to try to get a better life exactly what your five of your six siblings did when they left our, our shores and in many times forced to leave our shores. Our loved ones were forced to go abroad, they were forced to go out and work. And if you talk to anyone any Irish people that would have lived in England during the Troubles whenever there was an IRA bomb would have gone off. The negative feeling towards the Irish and you know, you heard of Irish people saying I didn't open my mouth, I didn't want anybody to hear my accent because everybody was getting tired with the one brush and it's the same is happening here in this country and we do have a far right uh, group that is gaining momentum and I'm not saying that people who are protesting outside a particular building because they're nervous about who's moving in, I am not calling them far right and I know people hate when you even use the word far right but we do have a far right that is rising in this country whether we care to admit it or not, it's happening and there is some really desperate negative uh, rhetoric going out there and even to hear the Taoiseach last night saying, you know, there's so many lies going out there and unfortunately you vulnerable people they hear it or they read it on Facebook and they see it as fact, oh it must be true and in many cases it's not true. So that's the point that I was making and we are very dependent on our migrant uh, population. Uh, they have helped to grow this country and they will help to grow it again into the future. Uh, 0818 103, 103. Bernie, taking your calls, you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103.
3: c
2: 103 Jobs.
4: Insulux are currently recruiting for plasterers, general site operatives and a site manager and a foreman for on-site construction teams in the Cork City and West Cork areas. You can email jobs at insulux.ie or call them at 021 4708588. Healthcare assistance with QQI are Fetech Level 5 in Older Persons are wanted for Nazareth House in Mallow. CVs please to hr.mallow at nazarethcare.com. Full-time kitchen assistant is required for the Maria Goretti Nursing Home. They're based in Kilmallock. Now, they're also looking for a full-time staff nurse. CVs please to admin at mgnh.ie and a caretaker and a cleaner are wanted uh, in the Maria McAlaser Community College. They're based in Dunmanway. Call 086 046 3492. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
3: You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
4: Now, for those responsible for cooking the Christmas dinner next Monday, this is probably the busiest week of the year. So to offer advice on the planning and to make sure everything is cooked correctly, I'm joined by Linda Gordon. Linda is Chief Specialist in Food Science at Safe Food. Good morning to you, Linda.
6: Good morning. Uh, You're
4: you're welcome to the programme. Is planning the key to a successful Christmas dinner, do you think?
6: Um, I think it is, actually. Yeah, you're right in that. You know, spending a little bit of time um, with the preparation in terms, even before you do your shopping, I think can really help to make things run a bit more smoothly on the day. And our research found that about over half of people find the Christmas dinner a bit stressful. So, you know, to try and take some of the stress out of it, maybe at this time now before, you know, people are probably going to start doing their big food shop. You know, maybe towards the end of the week or this week, even, you know, clear out the fridge, get rid of anything that's past its use by date, anything you're not going to use, move the shelves around if you need to make space for the turkey. Um, Even that kind of thing will make it easier once you bring home the food that you've got space for everything that needs to go in the fridge.
4: Yeah, I've I've found, and it's only in the last number of years I've started uh, doing it, and I can see my late mother who always did it, a shopping list to actually sit down, spend the time, check what's in the cupboard so that you're not buying something that you have already there and make make the list of the food items you're going to need. Because by doing that, it'll help to contribute to less waste.
6: Absolutely. It's so important to do a list. And as you say, Check what seasoning and herbs and spices and whatever that you might already have that you you know you don't maybe need to buy everything uh, from scratch. And we have um, actually uh, a sort of planner tool on our website that helps to tell you, depending on how many people you're having, you know how much food you need for the Christmas dinner. So that kind of thing to, to, to not overbuy and end up you know you've no space in the fridge and you're you've, you're throwing out food in you know ten days' time because it wasn't
4: used. Yeah and the other thing is let's not forget many shops will only close for one day so you don't need to overbuy.
6: No you don't and have a think about what you're going to be doing in the days after Christmas you know do you want leftovers or are you going to be going to visit family or you know do you want the you know the Christmas dinner to last you a couple of days and just think about where you're going to be Spending, where you're going to be eating um, and what you're going to be doing for, for that week and make sure that you're, you're not buying way too much food.
4: OK, and I was on, you've got a fantastic website. I would direct anybody to go to Safe Food if you're just you're a mine of, of information. I think particularly around the buying of uh, the turkey, because, you know, we've all heard stories of people trying to wedge a turkey into the oven because the turkey was so big. And yet when they sat down, there was only five people around the table and, and so much waste afterwards. So so what you suggest is you base the the size of the turkey should be based on how many people are joining you for dinner.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And we have that tool on our website. But just as a kind of rule of thumb, say for four to six people, maybe a three to four kilogram turkey would be big enough. So, you know, then it goes up for for six to eight people. You're talking about four to five kilograms and so on. But all of that information is on our website. And so, as you say, you can go to safefood.net forward slash Christmas. And there's all the information that helps you not just with the cooking on the day, but with the, the planning and the preparation beforehand.
4: And I know one piece of advice that safe food have been given out now for a number of years. When you get the turkey home, don't wash the turkey, which was something we traditionally did many years ago.
6: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's something, something a lot of people did. But really, washing the turkey isn't going to do anything other than spread potentially harmful bacteria around your kitchen. So you're talking about you know, up to kind of around 80 centimetres, which is roughly an arm's length either side of your sink, you can have splashes and tiny, tiny droplets that you won't even see and um, that could cross-contaminate something, you know, dishes that you might have drying on the rack or whatever else you might have around your sink. And the kitchen is a busy place for Christmas yeah. time. So um, really, it, it's much better to, to not uh, wash your turkey or any other raw meat or poultry or anything like that.
4: But as soon as you... Get home with the turkey, get it into the fridge.
6: Yeah, absolutely. And the best place to store it is at the in a kinda of deep dish in the bottom of the fridge, covered it if possible, so cling film or whatever that you have over to you weren't unlikely to have a container big enough for a whole turkey. But um Obviously, a lot of people then are buying turkey crowns and boned and rolled turkeys and things like that to cut down on waste. But the best place is the bottom of the fridge and bring it home as late as possible. So maybe if you've ordered it from your butcher or something, you might want to arrange to pick it up, you know, as close to Christmas as you can. It can be hard to find space for it.
4: To stuff or not to stuff? Well, we would
6: advise, (coughs) excuse me, we would advise. If you've got um a fan, an electric fan oven because otherwise there's a danger that the you know the temperature won't reach the the level it needs to inside the stuffing. so if you have a fan oven then it, it's fine. To Stuff the neck or the cavity of the, of the turkey, but don't overstuff it. So a good rule of thumb is about ten percent of the weight of the turkey in the stuffing. So if you've a five-kilogram turkey, then you should have no more than five hundred grams of stuffing. Um, and add include the stuffing when you're working out how long to cook the turkey for. Include the weight of the stuffing in with the. The weight of the turkey. So again, we've a, a calculator on our website. You know where you can tick all the boxes to say what type of oven and turkey and and whether
4: it's stuffed or unstuffed. Yeah, and, we'll, and we'll press the, the button and it yeah. it comes up. And it was based on advice from Safe Food a number of years ago. One of my best purchases. I bought one of those meat thermometers, and I can't believe that. I mean, I use it for barbecues during the summer whenever we get a decent summer. Mm-hmm. They're they're a fantastic little tool, aren't they?
6: they're a really handy thing to have in the kitchen and it takes any of the kind of guest work out of of um, seeing if your meat is cooked properly. So for a turkey, what you do is you think, when you think it's, it's cooked, take it out and um, use a meat thermometer to pierce it at the thickest part of the breast, which is that kind of space, the, in between the leg and the breast, so into the breast there at that side. And what you're looking for is for it to reach 75 degrees. And that's the same for any meat that needs to be cooked the whole way through. 75 degrees is the temperature it needs to reach, and then you know it's it's safe to eat
4: And then obviously all the turkey and ham doesn't go on uh, Christmas Day. Putting it into, again, you need to have space in in the fridge. Does it need to be completely cold before you put it into the fridge?
6: Well, it should be cool, you know, it should be cooled down. So don't put it in the fridge warm because then you're just going to raise the temperature of the fridge. So what I usually say to people, because after Christmas dinner, you don't really want to be thinking about it. But you do need to get it into the fridge or the freezer, indeed, um, within two hours of cooking. So it's a good idea to maybe carve it up, you know, if you've got a big turkey, carve it up, take the legs off it, um carve it into smaller portions so it'll cool down faster and maybe just have your containers ready so that you have plastic containers with lids to ready to go to to um get it into the fridge. Because you don't want to waste your, your leftovers. It's an expensive meal. Mm. And also you've put a lot of work into cooking. So one of the advantages of leftovers is it saves you saves you some cooking um, the next day. But yes, get it in within two hours into the fridge and use it up within three days.
4: Three days. OK, somebody's yeah. asked that question. All right, it's, it's, it's three days. And yeah. when we spoke at the outset about, you know, planning is the key to the successful Christmas dinner. Would you also plan in advance what to possibly do with leftovers?
6: Yeah, well think about it. First of all, if you've planned how much food you want and you're going to need and you are going to have leftovers, then it is a good idea to know what you're going to do with them. Are you going to use them up the next day? Do you want to put them in the freezer and use them up to at some other point? Um, and we have plenty of recipes as well on our website for using up leftovers. So yeah, think about the portions. You know, maybe you want to divide it into different portions and put some of it in the freezer. Um, but just think about what you're
4: going to do with the leftovers definitely. Okay, Sharon is cooking Christmas dinner for the first time this year and I'm always conscious of people when we do slots like this, there will be the first timers who've never done a Christmas dinner uh, before. She's starting to get a bit stressed out about it. She's saying, would she be better off cooking the ham on Christmas Eve? She's afraid that she won't have the oven space for all that she needs to cook.
6: Yeah, I mean that's a good idea to, to, to get the ham done um, and cooked on Christmas Eve um, and then the same I mean, the same things apply about the leftovers and getting it into the fridge and storing it and all of that. But yeah, that definitely would. And you, you might even carve it or something like that. So it's, so it's easier um, for storage. But it sounds like she's definitely thinking ahead there. And I suppose well, that's why we give our advice to some people who've been cooking Christmas dinners, you know, for decades and, and um, they could. They could give us all the tips, but there are always people who are cooking it for the first time or who aren't used to cooking a big kind of roast dinner. So um, that's why, it's, so I think it's important to get all this advice out there.
4: Okay, and someone else says, uh, when when you say three days for the turkey, is it the same for the ham? You can't use it after three days.
6: Yeah, for any Isn't leftovers, really, any cooked food, then three days is is the limit. So, but you can freeze stuff for longer than that. So. I think we don't make maybe enough use of our freezers in that regard. So if you if you're not if you think you're not going to use it up within the three days, you could put it in the freezer.
4: Okay. And Isabel is wants to bake the ham this year. What advice would you give?
6: Oh God, I'm not a chef now. I'm <laughs> I'd have to say we do have um, we do have information um, and. Uh, um, around, I'm, I'm sure ham, uh, yeah, around, yeah, honey yeah, roast ham. But yeah. you know, again, the same, the same kind of advice applies about making things sure things are um, cooked the whole way through, and um, and using, and you know using them up or or putting them in the fridge within two hours of cooking. But I'd advise going to the Safe Food website if you need something more sophisticated yeah,
4: I'm Yeah, sure, I'm sure I read on this. It's just boiling it and then it goes into the oven uh, afterwards uh, to be baked. So yes. are, are you cooking Christmas dinner in your house, Linda?
6: Um, I am um, it will be a joint effort in my house yes, but we will be having Christmas dinner at home yeah.
4: okay well well done and enjoy and listen thanks a million you're always a mine of information thank you for that and thanks pleasure. for joining thank us. you happy Christmas and to you bye bye, bye. that is uh, Linda Gordon and Linda is Chief Specialist in Food Science at Safe Food as I say I was on their website yesterday and they really are a treasure trove of information about planning and getting everything together for the uh, Christmas dinner and you know the whole thing is you know you want to have a nice Christmas dinner but you just want to make sure you don't, you don't poison anyone. That's that's an important one, and that's obviously where safe food uh, is coming from. But they've got great tips, um, you know, and things like I think one of the best ones is you know cleaning out the the fridge. We all put things in the fridge that don't really need to be in the fridge and at this time of the year you certainly can take it out. I mean I know there's always an ongoing argument about sauces like you know, brown sauce and and ketchup, should they be stored in the fridge or not. I'd always keep the mayonnaise in the fridge but the brown sauce and the ketchup I wouldn't. I'd have other friends of mine who'd always have those kind of sauces in the fridge but they're the kind of things you can move out because they don't really need uh, to be in the fridge particularly when you're looking for space but just to try to plan what you're buying so that there won't be as much food waste. 0818 103 103. Bernie, taking your calls. And we are staying on the Christmas vibe because Christmas is all about children. And for me, there's nothing like listening to a children's choir. So we have a real treat this morning as the first class pupils of Scolphoric Nafa in Bandon have recorded and produced their own Christmas song, which I'm going to play in just a moment. But firstly, I want to chat with their teacher, Neve Murphy. Uh, who joins me? Good morning, Geneve.
8: Good morning. Uh, How are you? I'm, Thanks for
4: having me. Uh, well, uh, you're very welcome to the program. Now, before we play the song, tell me a little bit about the song. I believe you wrote it with the first class pupils.
8: Yeah. So we had to, we had we were beginning to prepare for our Christmas concert where we had to do two songs each, and I do a lot of songwriting myself, so I thought, sure, why not? You know, write the song with them, and it'll be a, a bigger experience for them. So I had kind of written the melody at home, and I came in and I wrote the words with with the class, basically, just to kind of get them involved in the writing process of it as well. What
4: so, a what a fantastic um, opportunity for the children!
8: Oh, it was great. No, it was, and they could they were sort of watching me in real time, go back over phrases, and oh, I think I could get that sounding a bit better. And so it was it was fab. And and we we decided then it kind of grew arms and legs. We decided to record it and release the song for Christmas, giving all the proceeds to. Michael Center in Bandon who supports the elderly.
4: Now tell me how you got around to recording it. I mean, and, and did you have to get somebody to cover the costs of it?
8: We did, yeah. So, um, I'm currently recording an album with Dex and um, which is great because oh. he's fantastic, yeah, obviously. Brilliant guy. and brilliant Yeah, and he lives just on the outskirts of Bandon. So I asked him would he be interested in, in helping us do it, basically, and he was more than happy because you know, from living in Bandon and He's linked with St Michael's Centre. He helps them out as well. Um, so he looked after the recording and, and producing um, side of things, and then uh, Richie in the school, uh, Mr O'Regan, <laughs> I <should> say, uh, <laughs> helped out with, with promoting it. So he approached Kevin O'Leary Bandon and Group um, to, uh, to support or to, to cover the cost of the CD duplication. And where? So where no costs, yes, you know. Well done. Where yeah. was it? Where was it recorded? Uh, so Declan came into the school
3: yeah.
8: and we recorded with the, so it was the first class boys and then the school choir as well, because um, they're great singers. So they joined in. So we recorded it in the school and then he took back all the files to his studio and started adding in all the Christmassy bits.
4: And how many pupils, you know? how many pupils are in first class?
8: There's 20 in, in first class.
4: 20, okay. All
8: right. um, just so, and just don't ask me how many in the school choir, yeah, but it's a lot. But, and, the, and
4: the school choir then is made up of all the different classes, is it?
8: Exactly, yeah. from third class up. Yeah,
4: yeah. yeah. Just great. so, yeah. so exciting for the children. And then for them to hear it for the first time, was was that a big buzz?
8: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I suspect because I'm actually, I'm, I'm I'm away for a few days in London, but the video has just been released online. So De- Declan did a wonderful video uh, using photographs from a local photographer, uh, Dan Holland. He's lovely band abandoned Christmas photograph. And uh, the boys from fifth and sixth class had done up a lot of Christmas art for the project. So that's also in the video. So I'd say they're watching that video now today, which is lovely as well. Nice you've, to have a, a visual along with the song. You have it
4: all covered. Where can people see the video? <laughs>
8: The video is up on the school's Facebook, so school called name, uh, the like Facebook, Facebook, and just yeah, okay. so it's circulating there. I'm, I'm going to start sharing it on my Facebook now as well. But well done, the school, well done. the school face. And then yeah.
4: the the actual song itself, uh, Christmas in Bandin, You've you've made actual physical CDs. Where are they on sale?
8: So, yeah, so we did it both ways. We have physical CDs released. Uh, they can be bought in the school or in the two Kevin O'Leary garages, the central shops in the Kevin O'Leary in Bandon Town, plus O'Farrell's or Hickey's and Bandon Books. I think I've covered all of it there. <laughs> but we also just put it up. I know the, the support for it has been fantastic. It's really lovely to see everybody coming out doing their best. you know. And, t- also, and downloads? We just, Download, we just released that last night. So it's on Bandcamp.
4: Bandcamp, um, okay. Yeah.
8: So again, you know, if, if if you just put in Bandcamp and put in Skull Project Project Data, it'll, um, come, it'll up. come up. Yeah,
4: because yeah. I, I like the idea of maybe past pupils who are all over the world might decide oh, to... Oh, yeah. And people from, people from Bandcamp. And there's something very special, neve I think, about, you know, first-class pupils. What are they, seven-year-olds, seven, eight-year-olds? Yeah, six and seven.
8: Six and yeah. seven. Mostly seven, yeah. yeah I think yeah. there's
4: something lovely about that age group being aware of, say, Michael's Centre, which is for the older people in the community. There's something it lovely, is. isn't it? It is not it
8: there? yeah. I I just think, you know, there's so much there's of turmoil in the world, and sometimes it's hard to know how you can help. And that's kind of the way I was thinking with everything that's going on currently. And I thought, well, I, I know something that we can do. We can help out a local charity that's very much on the ground, and we'll, we'll know that that help gets them directly. So, the small little things that you can do, you know, and as a community helping community is, is the way to go as well.
4: Okay, how is yeah. it doing so far, or do you know?
8: Um, I think yeah. Well, the CDs were flying out the door, <laughs> so we ordered <laughs> we ordered another batch from the duplication crowd. So I think that's due to come this week. Um, so doing really well, which is great. I mean, and it sounds lovely. Like Declan did a lovely job of uh, the production. Yeah, of it's Knox beautiful. And boys were great at singing. Yeah, it's, be- it's beautiful. So, listen,
4: yeah. and and, and thank you for taking time out. I'm glad you said that you were in London because I can hear uh, police cars and sirens going on in
8: the background. <laughs> I, <was> I literally <laughs> hopped off the tube; got a bit delayed, uh, be, and we brought
4: our tube. <laughs> I was about to say what's going on in London that we don't know about. So I'm glad to hear that you're in I London. Know. So listen, uh, uh, well, yeah. in, enjoy your time in London. Congratulations. The Thank song you. is fantastic. Thank Pass on our best wishes to all of the pupils see, and, and all of the kids in the school. They've, they've done a great job. But thanks a million for taking will time do. out to talk to us, Neve.
8: Pleasure. Thanks for having us. Good morning, dear.
4: Bye bye. Neve Murphy, there, who is the teacher of uh, first uh, class in Sculforic Nefa in Bandon. And here is their Christmas song, which is actually called Christmas in Bandon. Isn't that absolutely uh, gorgeous? Well done to all of the pupils in Skull for Ignefa in uh, Bandon. And as, as Neve, their teacher, said, the CD is on sale locally, or Band Camp, if you want to download it, and all of the proceeds. Uh, will be going to St Michael's Centre in uh, Bandon which is a group that supports uh, elderly uh, people in so many ways and actually uh, Neve was uh, telling us in an email during the week that they're actually St Michael's are actually renovating their building at uh, the moment so they're absolutely thrilled that the young boys stepped up and said that they would be willing to support them so all the money's raised and will no doubt go towards that that really is lovely congratulations to everybody involved in Skal foric in Bandon. 0818103103. 103. And seeing as this hour has all been about at Christmas, can I just give a bit of warning that has come out with all of the decorations and uh, the lights and the Christmas trees adorning all of our homes uh, at the moment? There is an increased risk of fires at this time of uh, year. And it seems, and I'm so surprised to hear this, that the Christmas lights are still one of the top culprits at this time of uh, year. It's one of the things that Paul Cavanagh actually an insurance slot uh, spoke about a few weeks ago you got to be so so careful with the uh, Christmas lights the newer lights are a lot better than the older lights but if you still have some of the older lights in your house you need to be very careful and the home insurance company people have come out and they're offering five top tips to try to prevent a fire in the home this christmas because it is the last thing uh, you need and the one thing they're suggesting is that you need to check for defects looking out you know obvious signs of of damage particularly if you're you know pulling out last year's lights if there's any frayed uh, connections anything that could possibly become a fire hazard they're saying their second tip is to make sure that you own buy products with the CE mark indicating that they do comply with the European safety standards and that's very important if you're buying very cheap lights or you're buying lights online just be very very careful that that CE stamp uh, is uh, there and you know while everyone is uh, being encouraged to buy second hand and we were talking about buying second hand this year the tip is when it comes to lights to avoid buying second hand lights and when you're buying your Christmas lights make sure that they're coming from a reputable uh, store. The fourth tip is to avoid overloading the plug sockets. Now I think this is the one a lot of us are guilty uh, of. Lots of people like to think the more lights uh, the merrier but of course all of those lights have to be plugged in somewhere. Overloading a power socket with multiple plugs it can cause overheating and if you actually put your hand on you'll feel that it can get quite warm and that overheating can be a risk of fire so the advice is to, is to distribute the demand for power uh, across uh, your home and while making sure that the inside of your house is safe the outdoor lights also need to be checked for uh, damage because obviously those decorations are exposed to winter elements so if you're digging out the lights from last year. I have already dug them out just to make sure and check that there is no wear and tear. Let's try and keep our, our, all of us safe and sound this Christmas 0818 103 103 Bernie continues to take your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Let's Cork
2: Today Cork today. Cork today with Patricia Messenger on C103 Cork
4: Now, some of your calls uh, coming into the programme uh, today. Oh, uh, well, first, just to give a shout out here. This is from Sean, who is part of the 428 Club in Dunamore. And he says, uh, Would we thank everybody who supported their climb of Quran Tool? It was an aid of ARC Cancer Support at Cork, who are a wonderful, wonderful chari- charity. And Sean says they collected €11,000. For this worthy cause from the climb on Caron Tool. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who donated and everyone who took part. And as Sean says a happy Christmas, many happy returns, and well done to everybody involved in the 428 Club in Dunhamore. That's 11,000 euros, terrific sum of money for ARC cancer uh, support. Uh, we were speaking with Safe Food about making sure that we cook the Christmas dinner and cook it safely and don't poison anyone. And I mentioned that one of the best products that I bought a number of years ago and it was because of an interview with Safe Food I went out and bought one of those meat thermometers because I'm always terrified that I'm going to undercook uh, the meat and we know how dangerous uh, that can be. That led Margaret to say, Patricia, where would you buy a meat uh, thermometer? Now as I say, I've mine a number of years. I'm sure I got mine in four homes in Mallow. But I imagine if you go into any electrical shop they will have neat uh, thermometers, and because they're something that have become really, really popular, and it just it takes all the guesswork out of. Have I cooked the meat uh, correctly? So Margaret, you're, I don't know where you're texting from, but you're clo- wherever you've got any electrical shop, uh, pop in. Has anybody else seen meat uh, thermometers on sale anywhere? If you can uh, let us know, please, Oh eight one eight, one zero three one zero three. 103. We were talking about charity shops and I was saying that if anybody had good bargains, if you nabbed a good bargain, it's, people love to celebrate a good bargain in a charity shop. Well, Margaret in Maddow says she bought a jacket in a charity shop. It was €30 Euro for the jacket, but she that there was a price tag on it of 150 euro. The price tag, the original price tag, was still on the jacket. So somebody had purchased the jacket, paid 150 euro put it in the wardrobe and then for whatever reason decided no I'm not going to wear that and then at some stage had to clear out gave it into the charity shop and our Margaret in Mallow happened to be passing popped in jacket fitted her perfectly and she got it for 30 euro that is a great bargain and Margaret very proudly says she still has that jacket I don't know when she bought it but it's a good it was 150 euro originally it's a good quality uh, jacket good find Margaret good find Patricia says another texter all my brothers and sisters were raised on second hand clothes and I can put my hand up and say I'm, I'm one of them. I was the youngest of four girls. So you could imagine I got very little new in my household. Anyway, this texter says, my own family, I raised all of them the same way on secondhand clothes. And I'm delighted to report that my grandchildren are also being raised the same way. If more people did it, passing on clothes or going into charity uh, shops, we would have less poverty and less whining in this world. And I know when it comes to fast fashion, and the uh, when we're talking about the climate and trying to all do our bit for the climate and t- to protect this wonderful earth, particularly for the future generations. Fast fashion is one of the ones we, we really do need to consider. How much clothes do we really need and what we are buying and why we are buying it. Hi Patricia and this is on clearing out clothes you know and, and giving them, have a good clear out and send it into your local uh, charity shop when I was speaking with uh, Vision Ireland and it led to one of our listeners saying that would a charity shop, his mother has passed away and wants to do a clear out of his mother's clothes would they a charity shop accept them and I was saying yeah any charity shop would be thrilled with them but I was just saying take time before you actually do that clear out of a loved one's clothes Well, somebody says Trisha I'm of the opinion that the sooner you clear out stuff after the death of a loved one the better as you leave it if you leave it until later you won't want or feel able to do so you just simply keep putting it off Now, I don't think I'm being harsh or cold in any way it's just my opinion yeah and I think it's one of those things each to their own I suppose whatever sits comfortably with you and I know we're going to be in a couple of minutes talking with Joe Heflin about bereavement particularly bereavement at Christmas and the one thing I always say when I'm you know, trying to support somebody who's going through a bereavement, there's no right or wrong way to do bereavement. It's whatever sits well with you and it's whatever you want to do. And for some people, yes, they might find it just deeply upsetting to have all the trappings and trimmings of a loved one around and they may want to do the clear out really, really quickly. But the only reason that I always sort of offered the, the advice to kind of just wait and think about it, I, I remember a friend of mine and uh, herself and her sister did. Uh, they lost their much-loved mother and they cleared everything out within days of their mother passing. And like that was, was of the belief for them to get on with the bereavement. They needed to clear out any, any, everything. And they regretted it afterwards, you know, sort of in the the years later, they an oh, I wish I still had that, but we gave it away. And, you know, so you just need to make sure when you're doing that clear out how much of a clear out you're actually going to have. But you are right for some people doing it sooner as certainly uh, works. We were talking about the Christmas dinner. John and Cove was on to say a big pot of stew would be better for every family on Christmas Day. There's no need for all this fuss for one day of the year. All it does is make the supermarket bosses richer. All I can say to you Jan is bah humbug and I'm telling you if I came to your home and you served me up a big... pot of stew on Christmas day I'd probably eat it but I'd be raging I'd be absolute. it's the one day of the year I think when we do make an absolute fuss out of that wonderful meal and to me it is the best meal of the year I don't know what it is I don't know what it is about the Christmas dinner but nothing tastes for me nothing tastes as good as the Christmas dinner so no I won't be going for a big pot of stew John now maybe others will agree with you maybe it's all too much of a fuss would you prefer to have a big pot of stew round at John's house rather than your turkey and ham with all of the trimmings. 0818103103. And just on a much more serious uh, topic, a listener says, this came up on our news with Barry, heard it at 11, I think it was on at 12 as well. A listener says, in your news bulletins today, you're mentioning an incident about an ongoing feud between two traveller families in the town of Jarliva, There are a number of videos circulating at the moment that one of the families involved took and made the video. The person who took the video, his name is actually on the top of the video clip. In this video, he is videoing a man who is threatening to kill every member of the second family involved in this feud. Now, I can even recognise this voice. So my question is, why were the armed guards called out at the weekend and again last night, from what I hear? These guys involved were so silly, they left their names on the video clip so they're clearly identifiable. They should have been arrested at the weekend. These guys are terrorising innocent people in their local graveyard and also in the countryside. And that signed, a concerned uh, listener. And I did see Cork Bio are also reporting on this, that there are people in Charleville in North Cork who are really nervous and fearful for their own safety because tensions are boiling over in this uh, local feud. And seemingly there's a number of these, what they, what's what they call them, calling out videos that are posted online where you've got one family calling out the other family, you know, to try and sort it out. Now, an armed guard, the unit, was... Rush, did rush to Charleville on Saturday and that was actually several youths were seen in the town centre wielding knives and slash hooks. It's believed the young men were seen gathering in the Holy Cross graveyard in the mid-afternoon and for people who don't know Charleville the that's the Holy Cross graveyard is the graveyard isn't it on the way into the way into Charleville from the Mallow uh, side. Anyway the armed guardy arrived and the situation was quickly brought under control. Guardy have confirmed there's a number of public order incidents in the town on Saturday, which are all believed to be linked to this ongoing feud. Members of the rival groups, um, reading this from Corkbio have been posting threatening call- call-out videos on social media over the weekend. In one video, seven youths can be seen holding machetes and one boy... Warns a rival that if he catches him in public, he'll take this blade and I'll break it over their head. Another post shows a gang actually in the graveyard. Oh my God, how disrespectful is that? And they're taunting another uh, group while slamming weapons and gardening tools off the ground and yelling. We're outside your site, you won't come out. And concerned residents, obviously, who have who asked Cork BO not to name them. They're deeply upset by the incidents and some are actually afraid to leave their homes. Now there is a full Garda investigation uh, on at the moment. And a spokesperson said the Garda are investigating a number of public order incidents which occurred in Charleville on Saturday. And the investigations are ongoing and there's no further information available at this time. But it's just to see... Um, video footage in a graveyard and you think, you know, at this time of year so many people are going and will be going to the graveyard. I would hate to think that anyone is nervous about going to visit the grave of their loved one for fear that they'll get caught in the middle of some kind of a a feud that's going on between uh, family members. It it does look quite, quite shocking and I can understand what that listener is saying, how concerned uh, people uh, are. As I said, the guard—they are investigating it, so let's hope they'll get to the bottom of it and that feud will be sorted out uh, sooner rather than later. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. The C103 Cork Diary
3: With Cork County Council reminding you to support local when choosing gifts this Christmas.
4: And talking of bereavement tonight at 7.15 Annam Carr are holding their West Cork meeting in the Fernhill House Hotel in Clonakilty. all bereaved parents from the area are welcome now it's regardless of the age your child died or the circumstances of the death there's no need to register you can just arrive tonight at 7.15 Moore bingo that's on at 8 that's in the community centre all are welcome Choir practice in Donna presentation Pastoral Centre will go ahead tomorrow at 7 o'clock. New members welcome. And there's a community carol service in the Bandon Methodist Church tomorrow night, Wednesday at 8. And they'd love to fill the church to the uh, rafters. And Skull Christmas Day Swim, that's an aid of Cope Foundation. That will take place Christmas Day 12 noon from the Skull Pier. Now, limited registration is available for latecomers and that will happen at eleven thirty. And Mark is in backing up John in Cove to say, Hi Patricia, I myself would much prefer a Christmas Day pot of stew rather than a plate of turkey, roast potatoes, and Belgium trump grenades. Regards and Merry Christmas, Mark. Oh, don't knock the Brussels sprouts, Mark. I love my Brussels sprouts, but each to their own if you'd prefer. If that's what you would prefer, then you should go for a Christmas Day pot of uh, stew. And on charity Shopping, Suzanne says, I bought a pair of camel winter boots. Best buy ever. I've been wearing them for the last three to four uh, winters. There's gorgeous, great soft leather in them. I wonder how much you bought them for and how much they would have been worth to have bought them new. Well done. Enjoy them. They sound absolutely gorgeous particularly the fact that they've got great soft leather uh, on them. Now I've had a follow up and thank you to Annalise for this when we were doing our slot with Annalise on Monday. A listener had contacted us because her mother had elevated ESR levels. And uh, she was wondering, asking Annalise, what could she do to uh, reduce them? And Annalise said she'd have to do a little bit of investigation and check it out for her. And true to her word, Annalise is great. She came back and said an elevated ESR test level shows that your red blood cells sink faster than normal. And it means that there's some medical condition causing inflammation in the body. Faster ESR rates mean higher levels of inflammation. So Annalise says that the natural anti-inflammatories that she mentioned, such as turmeric extract, Boswellia and as taxanthin will help uh, but really Annalise says the key is to figure out the medical condition and what is causing your mother to have these elevated ESR tests so I will be saying back to the doctor on that one but the best of luck uh, with it and just staying with Annalise often when Annalise is on we will have listeners contact us either about children or themselves as adults who are suffering from eczema or eczema uh, whatever way you want to pronounce it and the itchiness in particular can be absolutely uh, horrendous. When I saw yesterday one of these breakthroughs, I love seeing medical breakthroughs and it's scientists it seems now, they're on the verge of a medical breakthrough that will take the itch out of eczema. Researchers from Harvard, they've identified a bacteria that they say is responsible for the urge to scratch. Now that urge to scratch, it feels satisfying when you're, you're doing it. But then, of course, it creates even more inflammation and it creates even more damage to the eczema sufferer's skin. They now believe they, that with a little modification, a readily available treatment for blood clots can actually break the irritation cycle of itch, scratch, relief and repeat. Uh, the pill called Voxapraxer can be turned into a topical cream. That you would apply onto the eczema and that will help stop the sensation of itchy skin reaching the brain. About one in five children and one in ten adults suffer from eczema a condition that causes dry and itchy patches of the skin. Now, the condition tends to run in families with symptoms flaring up in dry weather and where sufferers come in contact with some kind of uh, an irritant. I mean it could be something like you know, the laundry detergent that you're actually using. So the high Harvard School of Medicine said we have found that itching can be caused directly by this bacterial pathogen uh, which is, is seemingly very common and it's found in about 30% of people and it's found this pathogen is found mainly in our nose. The researchers who worked there have published their findings in the scientific journal Cell and they found that the bacterium is when it's allowed to flourish that leads to the urge to scratch and I know some people will have really really bad eczema as a child and they'll grow out of it sometimes it can be linked to dietary sometimes it can be linked uh, to like a lactose intolerant but for others they'll continue with it all of their lives and others will develop it as adults and i'm wondering if it's going to take the itch away from e- from eczema it does seem like a massive breakthrough would it also help for things like um, psoriasis etc so that's a, a real good uh, breakthrough we'll keep an eye on that so uh, we're off to where joe heffernan uh, joins us good afternoon to you joe
9: Good afternoon Patricia.
4: And you weren't with us last week because you had to have a little bit of a procedure done. So I suppose first off, how are you and uh, everything went well?
9: I'm coming around and I'd like to also say thank you to the nurses, doctors and staff at uh, St. Patrick's Ward and the Bonds who looked after me extremely well.
4: Good. Good. They and,
9: did, they did. I'm coming round. I'm hoping to be fairly right for Christmas. Brilliant,
4: brilliant. And mm. to d- and today, what we always do on our final chat before Christmas, we always talk about bereavement at uh, Christmas. And I'm always yes. very conscious every year when we do this, you know, this time last year there was people listening to this and it wasn't, they weren't affected by it at all. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, we've lost people throughout this year. And, 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 that, and that first Christmas can yeah. be very difficult.
9: Yes, and I would like to offer my sincere condolences to all in C103 and our listeners who have lost a loved one this year, and indeed in past years, as we remember them at Christmas. We had many tragic deaths here in Borebui in the uh, in the late uh, months of 2023, and our sincere condolences there. And I'd like to say um, a very old friend from Fermoy, Tom Kavanagh, died last year. Now, Tom had contributed so much to his town, his county and the country. As they say, he had done the state some service. So, condolences to all of uh, Tom's family yeah, and, and all his uh, yeah, friends.
4: And I listen over the years, I spoke with Tom on many, many yeah. occasions, particularly through his work with Eyeball that he set up. He was, he was a great man. And, of course, us here at C103, our own Paddy Palmer, uh, unfortunately, oh, at the, st- at the Diggs start Diggs. of uh, of this year, this is what po- a tragedy. Yeah, and My this is God. this is It he shook us all. It did. It did, it. it. and it's his family's uh, first year uh, without him. So we're thinking of everybody uh, this year who uh, f- are facing into that first uh, Christmas, uh, the yeah. first MGC around uh, the table. It can be so difficult, and indeed for others who maybe maybe the second and the third year, there isn't unfortunately yeah. a magic switch that suddenly goes no, off indeed. and bereavement is gone and everything. is is uh, fine and I think yeah. one of the best pieces of advice that you give every year It's there's no right or wrong way to do uh, grieving you always say there are no musts and no have tos so just explain that
9: well absolutely um, uh, the thing about it is that um, uh, everyone's grief can be different it's very personal it's very individualistic so there there isn't uh, there, there isn't a right way or a wrong way to grieve, so I would say a few things, for example, don't be afraid to raise the subject of bereavement or to verbalize memories of the loved one um even if you might have an idea I don't want to change the atmosphere maybe around the christmas um uh, time um I don't want to bring the mood down, but uh, if you share how you feel at this time, most most people will be glad to facilitate that. And things that can trigger um, uh, feelings of grief, certain traditions or rituals may be particularly painful without your loved one. So, if you're not up to this year, change or don't do the rituals or traditions that were always done. Um, you might go back to old traditions next year, but for now, just deal with this year. Some people will wish to visit the grave on Christmas Day. If you feel like that, do it. If you would prefer not to,
4: don't. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do do think that's an important one. You know, some people get great solace out of the graveyard. Uh, Others get absolutely nothing from visiting the graveyard. And then there are others who just find it too upsetting. So if you've got, yeah, I'm thinking in particular, say, a family group who's lost a much loved parent this year. And of course, Christmas Day, oh, let's all go to the grave. If one doesn't want to go, then that's okay. That's okay for that person to stay at home and let everybody else go.
9: Absolutely, and put your own bereavement needs first and foremost um, at this time of year, and indeed at any time. Um, You're entitled to be, uh, I I don't like the word ever, selfish, but self-care with your time. Uh, The things you're prepared to do and the things you're not prepared to do. And to be clear, and most people will respect that, um, you can say no for example, to invitations that that you're not up to, um, yeah, do what I, feels I, yeah, best for I, yourself. I don't
4: know if you remember. Now, God, it's at least maybe ten, fifteen years ago when we were having this uh, chat. Uh, a woman contacted us who had lost her much loved husband uh, during uh, the year, and, and she didn't have any children, but she she had a wide circle of, you know, nieces and nephews, and and friends etc and everybody she was inundated with invitations to go to various houses on Christmas Day and she had decided earlier on that what she wanted to do was be on her own she wanted to be on her own with her own thoughts and she felt that that was her best way to get through uh, Christmas Day but she said she knew that the family members and her friends wouldn't understand so so she lied and, and let on that she was going you know if if Mary rang her up she said oh no I'm, I'm okay I'm going to Jenny's house and then if Jenny okay. rang rang up oh no it's okay I'm going to Louise's house and she ended up staying in her own I remember she contacted us in the new year and she said it was the best thing she did she just wanted to be in her own thoughts and, you know, and she felt that was the way she wanted. It. Now, the following year, she said, I'll be, I'll be well up for it. I'll be able to go. And I just thought, good on you. You know, I yes. mean, it was awful that she felt pressurised in, into lying, but I suppose she didn't want to offend anyone. But she right. did what was right for her.
9: Absolutely. And that would be our main message today for a person to do what is right for them. Um, if something amuses you and you laugh, Perfect there are no rules no rules whatsoever and the the first christmas without the loved one will affect us even more deeply than um uh, you know when the um when the death of the loved one was some time ago it's a time when we would expect this person to be present you know um we were all at home uh, <clears throat> for christmas Got a bit emotional there. Now I'm You're thinking okay. about Ken over the Cayman Islands.
4: I know your your own son who's got his yeah. own his, his own uh, health battles. Uh, He's uh, going through chemo and yeah. radiation, yeah. and um, it's tough.
9: That, that and is we tough. miss him.
4: Yeah, of course you do. And there's there will be so many families who will sit down. To Christmas dinner this year, and it's not bereavement they're suffering, but they're very aware and conscious of a family member who's overseas and who is yeah. away. and yeah. Asked, yeah. So yeah. that's that. That is it is very natural. But I yeah. think you know, don't be afraid to talk about. I think the bereaved sometimes are afraid to, and others, not so much the bereaved, others are afraid to talk about the person, and and you know that is so important.
9: Absolutely. And, I mean, I've heard of people who will take out the photo album yeah, lovely. and will go through different, uh, you know, memories that way. Um, uh, so, like, to be mindful, to be aware of what you're doing and feeling um, and um, and to tune into that, that you don't have to avoid um, either feeling okay for an hour or two or bad for an hour or two. Um you know, the only person that you really need to attend to at this time of year in a bereavement is yourself. Now, that's not selfish. That's self-care. Um, for example, if you're a person for prayer, remember the deceased in maybe in the church or in prayer at home. Um, if others uh, are not of that um, uh, belief, it's fine. They'll they'll do things their way. And not to feel guilty if you enjoy some, say, a favorite television program or some music on the day. Um, you know, engage in what you always enjoy when uh, that uh, is what you want to do. Um, uh, and there's no need to feel apologetic about it. Having a good hour, having a good couple of hours. Yeah, um, and there know, will be
4: times, you know, during the day and over the festive season, where you will feel like crying. And
9: oh yeah, and that's okay too. It's absolutely one hundred percent okay. For example, I mean things like dressing the Christmas tree, hearing Christmas carols. These are all reminders, and they might be, you know, uh, overwhelming for a while. Uh, there might be consoling for another person. Again, to reiterate, there are no rules. There's no right way, and there's no wrong way to grieve. But I think it's important, Patricia, to kind of have some kind of plan. Okay. Now, the plan might be like that lady some years ago who decided to be on her own. That was her plan. It doesn't mean that one has to write out, uh, as it were, to-do list. But... Um, and to be uh, to plan the day and be aware of what you're doing when you're doing it. We hear an awful lot nowadays about mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Now, <coughs> if, um, if a person, for example, decided to go for a walk, and um, by the sound of the forecast, we might well be able to do it's that. it
4: going to be nice and mild by all accounts, uh, yeah.
9: By the sound of yeah. it. Um, well, if that's what you would like to do, to head off on a walk, either with another person or on your own, do that and to be mindful of where you are if it was even counting the steps looking at the uh, surroundings that you are in. Um, We hear so often now that nature is so healing and so good uh, for the soul so maybe to uh, arrange to go somewhere that you would love to be and have a nice walk and um, maybe you know, have a little chat with the one who has passed. Um, uh, like Again, like that lady said, um, to do something different, maybe. I mean, if you always went to a certain house, and that's going to be too much for you this year, well, then, uh, change it. Um, you know, make little changes. Everyone will understand Um you may decide to go through a photo album, um, but do chat and talk about maybe previous Christmases. Light a candle, plant a tree, say a collective prayer, um, be with family if that's what you would like to do. Um, But mind yourself. That would be one of the main things that we'd like to get across. Yeah,
4: um, there's that that saying about, you know... um, be kind to yourself be gentle yeah. Uh, yeah. W- uh, with yourself and and we have a lovely i, I mean i love these uh, reflections and and you've sent on one that i'm, I'm going to read out it's just it's called uh, remember joy and and, and mm. just um and we have a copy of this if if anybody is looking for it but just just sit and listen to this because because I, I do think this kind of really sums up bereavement and how difficult it will be okay it's called remember Remembered joy don't grieve for me for now I'm free I followed the plan God laid for me I saw his face, I heard his call I took his hand and I left it all I could not stay another day To love, to laugh, to work or play Tasks left undone must stay that way And if my parting has left a void Then fill it with remembered joy A friendship shared, a laugh, a kiss And yes, these things I too shall miss My life's been full, I've savoured much Good times, good friends, a loved one's touch. Perhaps my time seemed all too brief. Don't shorten yours with undue grief. Don't be burdened with tears of sorrow. Enjoy the sunshine of tomorrow. That's a beautiful piece. I've I've seen that put on memorial cards as well. And Mm -hmm. uh, I I, I do think it's lovely. And I think if you can get, you know, you can get books that have, even if you Google them and and look at them online, I think reading pieces like that, can why they might be a little bit upsetting, but they can be like a, a like a, a bit of release and just a bit of a if you can do some mindfulness around reading pieces like, like like that. It's it's whatever works for you, Joe. I mean that's the key to all of this, isn't it?
9: Absolutely. And often the conversation would turn to, well, the person who has passed, um, how would they like you to be in your life now? And the usual answer would be, well, they'd like me to be okay. Uh, they'd like me to be getting on with my life and looking after uh, the things that are important and people who are important in my life, and um, and that's often a consoling thought as well. That um, you know that it, it kind of gives one permission to be themselves in a time of grief, and I think that would be nearly our main message: to be yourself and to feel your own feelings at this time of year.
3: Okay.
4: Uh, Eamon says, I lost my wife uh, many years ago and I remember the first Christmas I was dreading the, going to Mass. We always loved going to the early mm. Mass on a Christmas Day. So I decided that first Christmas that I would go to a later Mass. We now have a family tradition of all going to the later Mass. You mm. can start new traditions as well. That's a good piece of advice.
9: Absolutely. To change things that will be helpful to you to change. Absolutely um we we all like to go to eleven uh on a christmas morning i the the children's mass and um you know it, it gives a sense of um peace and a sense of gratitude and these things are so important yeah.
4: Okay. Somebody else says, "I I remember following the death of my mother. We had young children in the house, so we put up the usual decorations." Another family member says, "I can't believe that you've decorated the house with your mother just dead. Uh, She made me feel so bad." Oh God,
9: yeah, it's so cruel. Well, I mean, the word we'd use there wouldn't it be would be don't be judgmental of another person's way of dealing with grief. It doesn't mean that they're not grieving. It just means that they're grieving in their own way. So we, 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 we have to tell ourselves very sternly in a way, do not be judgmental. Let everyone grieve in their own way, and, uh, and they're quite entitled to do that.
4: Okay yeah. and actually just before we finish up and something that actually came up earlier and it was just coincidental we were talking about bereavement today I was doing a piece on going to charity shops in the run up to Christmas and we were talking about the, l- the shops in Middleton the two charity shops from the National Council for the Blind got completely destroyed with the floods and they've been mm. closed for eight weeks and they've only reopened this week and there's much excitement and there's two lovely charity shops there now in uh, Middleton uh, and that led to uh, somebody cont- contacting us to say that their mother has passed away, lots of lovely clothes, and wondering, you know, would a charity shop take it? And I said, God, they'd be delighted uh, to take it. But then somebody else, somebody else, I said, just be careful that you don't clear out your mother's items too quickly, and that led to somebody else saying that, the, in their opinion, the best thing to do is to clear out everything and get rid of everything as quickly as possible, so to not to let the bereavement and the grief uh, linger. Th- that's ve- that's a very personal thing isn't it that thing of clearing out uh, everything and the reason I mentioned it was I had a friend of mine who did that with her sister they cleared out everything belonging to her mother and they to this day regret that they did it too quickly
9: Fair enough and um, you know uh, yeah a, a little bit of a family um, uh, discussion uh, can can sort these things out and um, everyone means well Um Uh, You know, they're just trying to deal with the situation as best they can. And to understand that, that no one is kind of trying to be bossy or no one is trying to say, we'll do it my way. Um, uh, You know, uh, a a little bit of discussion um, can sort these things out and with a clear understanding that everyone means well.
4: Yeah. 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 But it's just I, I think in those early days of grief, I think you can do things that you then might regret afterwards. So it's just to give yourself a little bit of breathing space, I suppose, more than anything.
9: You're dead right. You're, yeah. Because the thing about it is that, um, you know, uh, sometimes actions our words or anything like that that are done in haste um can be regretted later. It's time for a pause. And um, the pause is very important in life in so many ways that um, you know, impulsive um, actions or words uh, can often lead to regret. So that um, uh, yeah, uh, a little bit of um, uh, a little bit of thought, a little bit of um, discussion, and uh, definitely uh, not to rush into anything when the emotions are very high.
4: Yeah, take your time. Be kind mm. to yourself. we go back to yes. that. Listen, says that verse you uh, read out, remembered joy. I have that verse on my son's memorial card. He's now gone oh. 15 years and her hearts are still broken. We'll never stop uh, missing him. God help you. God bless God help you. Um, yeah. Hi, Patricia. Could you say happy Christmas to Joe and thanks for all his wonderful advice over the year. It's always great. Many thanks. That's from Stephanie. Thank and I can you. see a number of other people saying, wish uh, Joe a very happy Christmas so he makes a full recovery from from his procedure and somebody is looking for your uh, telephone number Barry says always love listening to Joe can I have his telephone number you can Joe's number is 086 834 8145 I take it you're on a break for Christmas though you'll be back in the new year
9: Absolutely. Uh, I hope to be back around the third or the, you know, around then. Around the beginning of year. And it's wonderful to have time to recuperate um, from the operation. Well, listen,
4: you mind yourself. And thank Mm. you uh, for all of your support and and work during the year on The Slot. We enjoy chatting every Tuesday. Yourself, Mary and the rest of the gang, have a great Christmas and we'll talk Mm. to you in 2024.
9: Absolutely, and happy Christmas to all of you there at C103 for your kindness and time.
4: Okay, God bless. Mind yourself, take care. That is the wonderful Joe Heffernan who runs a counselling practice in Bohar Bui, Okay, that's where I leave you uh, for today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy for producing. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon, and we will be back with you for Wednesday's edition of the programme tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. And to Patricia Messenger, very good afternoon.